Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Uh, we're continuing on with the action uh, with Region 2, uh, the second half of the Thursday slate, as it would be in uh, the in the March Madness tournament. And the first matchup tonight is uh, Leonard Skinner versus Jefferson Airplane. And I swear to God this was random. <laughs> there is uh, nothing intended to the survivors of Leonard Skinner by putting them up against the Jefferson Airplane. But uh, Christian, why don't you kick this one off? All right, so I think in this matchup we have, uh, we have a you know, panhandle, uh, powerhouse here in Leonard Skinner. Um, the, uh, the Van Zandt, um, family basically. Um, and, uh, you know, really I've always thought like Skinner is just one of the most sort of woefully underrated bands. And part of it is, you know, I think there were a lot of sort of crappier imitator Southern rock bands who sort of, you know, followed along and did similar things to what the Allman Brothers did. But these guys were like, they were a really sort of, you know, they are a, like, classic sort of, you know, country southern rock band. And, um, I mean, I think that's uh, that's actually the most mundane um, description I could possibly give them as a classic country <laughs> southern rock band. Um, but they were... Uh, you know, the, uh, like they are so much more, I think, than um, than the the two songs that they're uh, unfortunately remembered for in every single jukebox, "Sweet Home Alabama" and "Freebird." Although both great songs, um, but you know, uh, I, I think that their their legacy is is far greater than that. Um, and uh, definitely, when you when you dig in deep, you realize it's uh, it goes quite a long way. So, what do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, I mean, I think underrated is the word, although uh, I do take offense at you saying imitators because Molly Hatchett popped to mind, and uh, they're a damn good southern rock band as well. But um, I think the first two albums, Second Helpings, pronounced Leonard, and the first album, Leonard Skinner, pronounced Leonard Skinner, is, uh, you know, enough to just wipe uh, Jefferson Airplane off the court as far as I'm concerned. Um, I I think uh, it's a band that, you know, I knew the hits when I was younger and then got really turned on to when I was actually a little older and uh, it really kind of saw the depth of, of what Skinner brought to the table. So that's a, um, that's a great point. I mean, I think that I knew the hits of, of both of these bands when I was younger and then uh, I discovered probably late high school or college, um, you know, how, how deep the, the Leonard Skinner, you know, discography really goes and, and to the country. Um, uh, how, how shallow how it was with Jefferson, Jefferson Airplane, Airplane. <laughs> exactly after Surrealistic <laughs> Pillow. So, um, but uh, but you know we we certainly don't want to disclose our our, uh, our opinions quite yet. Um, shall we? Shall we just go straight to a vote? No, I just I mean or, I was just going to say that I think you know Leonard Skinner cut cut down in their prime. I think they were finding um, they were finding they they had their sound. They were born ready. They came fully formed, but at the same time, they were starting to go places that people didn't expect them to go. I think they were way uh, more talented musically um, than, you know, they get sort of short shrift because everyone's first um, lick that they learn on when they learn to play guitar, Sweet Home Alabama. This is a great band uh, that sadly, like I said, was cut down in, in their prime and sort of have lingered on uh, in various incarnations. Um, not only that, but Spawn 38 Special, I think, is a uh, woefully underrated Absolutely. Uh, band, a favorite of yeah. mine. So um, anyway, I think we can, uh, I, I think I can, you know, count the vote without counting, but let's do it anyway. Christian? I'm going Skinnerd. Jer? Skinnerd. Skinnerd takes it. The the uh, ba- the bicoastal battle of the punks, uh, X versus Sonic Youth, and um, 
I'm going to take this. I guess I'll kick this one off. Uh, if you've ever listened to this podcast, you know where I stand on X. I, I'm The one thing I, I would say is that um, I'm learning more and more as I go back and revisit the Sonic Youth catalog that I loved them more when I was younger than I do now. Not not because they're of the noise. I love the noise. I love the musicality. I like the experimentation. But um, I'm really struck and sort of, um, you know, the the... The lyrical simplicity of Sonic Youth and the sort of uh, lack of, um, it just seems like they, you know, lyrics and, and songwriting was such, uh, 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 took such a backseat for them that it, 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 I find it to be very noticeable when I listen to them now. Um, I like some of their rock songs. I like particularly the songs where the vocals are buried uh, because I can't tell what they're singing, but um, you know when the when I when it's really drawn to my attention, I'm not a um, you know I, I really it, it draw it really bumps me how um, sort of secondary uh, lyric you know uh, lyrics writing was to them. And X to me is one of the greatest bands of all time, which you all know. So, uh, uh, Jeremy, what do you, what's your take on this? Well, it's funny. I mean, you know, I think you know the name Sonic Youth. It makes a lot of sense because I, I think it's it's sort of I think we all could say that in our youth we love Sonic Youth and uh, it's an it's one of the bands that turned me on to to music to kind of different you know stuff that wasn't on the radio something you know I think I talked about it in our Origins pod that um you know Teenage Riot was a really important song to me and a uh, important album as well and so I really do have kind of a fond spot for. Some of the earlier Sonic Youth stuff, Sister, uh, Daydream Nation, and, and up until Goo and even Dirty. But uh, I agree when, you know, I think that uh, they they sort of, they're a young band. They're a band that's great when you're young and, and a band that sort of doesn't last as long. Um, X, on the other hand, is a band that I sort of liked but wasn't really aware of, you know, kind of the, the depth that they go lyrically and... and um, and just kind of the song, the music style is a little different. They were one of those bands like the Ramones that was introduced to me as punk rock on decline of Western civilization. I was like, these guys are, you know, these guys are way elevated above, you know, sort of the germs and black flag and the, and the rest of that cast of characters on that movie. Um, but they're a band that today I, I turn to often and, and, you know, have a great, you know, four album stretch there as well. Grand slam. So, um, Christian, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you guys may be underestimating the height advantage that Thurston Moore really brings to this matchup because, um, you know, we've got, I, I think it, it's interesting listening to you guys talk. Like, I mean, we all had an opportunity to experience Sonic Youth in real time. And like, you know, I got into them and probably had a fairly similar experience seeing them, um, you know, at the same kinds of clubs, certainly not that much bigger than the ones that you guys probably saw them in. Um, it was interesting. I mean, I think, you know, that first run of, of great albums, so like Sister Daydream Nation, um, I'm going to ignore the Ciccone youth or Ciccone yeah, youth, um, you know, Whitey album thing, like fetishizing Madonna um, and go straight on to Goo and Dirty. But like, that's a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty heavy four album run right there. And the cool part was that by the time I was getting into them um, in 2002, three, four, um, it was, uh, you know, they'd really, they'd really hit like their stride with a, with a revival, which is a, you know, how many bands actually end up coming back and being good again? And, um, you know, with Murray Street, Sonic Nurse, Rather Ripped, um, those are those are great run of albums again. And in particular, I would say, you know, Rather Ripped, I think, is awesome. And it's mostly um, Kim Gordon singing rather than Thurston Moore. So, you know, I think they're, I, th- I think that, you know, they are really a cornerstone and always have been of, like, the American avant-garde. And it's, it's really important to, to sort of recognize the, the broader sort of cultural influence and, you know, that they've had. Um, on, on other bands, I think if, if you ask a lot, you know, if you t- if you randomly sampled a hundred punk bands today and said who's who's more important to you, X or Sonic Youth? I don't know. I think they're going to say Sonic Youth. Well, what say you, inter- Christian? <laughs> who's the winner? And let me speak for all of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so yeah, I think uh, if we're casting votes here, um, I'm going to throw mine in uh, in Sonic Youth's corner. I think they win this game. All right. Well, I'm going to uh, go with X because. Uh, I can't. I'm, I'm leaving with the girl I came with. Uh, but you, <laughs> it's tough. I mean, Christian makes a great argument, and uh, you know, uh, Win is is sort of ingrained. His, you know, I, I, X is one of the early bands that Win turned me on to. Actually, both these were, and 
It's going to be an overtime game, but I'm going to go with X. Oh, rigged. Yeah. No, it was. <laughs> um. <laughs> you, should, you should have bet the over under. Wind bought me tickets to X last year, and uh, <laughs> that helps. <laughs> yeah, try a little graft when it doesn't go your way, man. Coming up next, we've got a. It's kind of a strange. Uh, this is a strange matchup: Earth, Wind, and Fire versus Weezer. Um, <laughs> this is. I would. Uh, I would take almost anybody in a sporting event above Weezer. Um, just <laughs> from a, <laughs> I feel like they'd be overpowered. I'm not sure that they would. Uh, they would enter the court. But anyway, Christian, you kick this one off. Oh well, thanks, Wyndham. Um, <laughs> really appreciative for for getting to uh, to to frame this matchup. Preview them. Um, yeah, you know, look, I I think that Earth, Wind, and Fire was a band that I I basically came to um, through the singles early on, and uh, I mean, it's it's a uh, they are just an incredible sort of um, staple powerhouse of the '70s funk scene. Um, you know, incredibly versatile, great musicianship, um, and you know, then you have Weezer. Um, they are, uh, well, that one guy went to Harvard. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, maybe the best grades on the court. He's a student athlete for sure. Um, and that's important. He definitely keeps no. score. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, no, no, look, I, Weezer was, was again, they were, they were hugely popular, um, and, and, you know, very successful band of, of all of my youth really. And through, through high school, um, I think, uh, I always felt that the the lyrics could actually probably um, you know left a lot to be desired. I thought that it was sort of, uh, but but you know I'm I'm not sure that they're uh, I'm, I'm not sure that that's necessarily um, the the real strength on uh, on Earth Wind and Fire's team. So uh, so I'll be interested to see how these two um, match up at the end of the day. Yeah, Jerry, you had an interesting. I mean, Weezer was you know I I, I, yeah, I, I think just, of this because I've had dis, you know because I have distance on it, but I always think of Weezer as being like the the band of Christian's youth. It's really the band of your youth. Well, I mean, I think they're two. Sorry about that, guys. But um, I think the two big albums, the cornerstone albums that people talk about, the Blue Album and then Pinkerton, were certainly um, my kind of heyday. And I, you know, I have friends who swear by Pinkerton, like we swear by, you know, Surfer Rosa or some of the albums that we kind of talk about constantly. Um, I've never gotten it, to be honest, um, but I do see kind of the the importance of having people that can keep score, and uh, you know, you always need an accountant at some point in your life. And I think uh, Weezer may be that band, but I agree with Christian too. You know, Earth, Wind, and Fire to me is is very much like a, a singles collection. It's a compilation album, um, and, and that might just be my ignorance on on you know not sort of being around in the early seventies and and having a, a, a finger on the pulse to that that scene. But I, I kind of came to them through um, some of their hits. So as much as I, I I'm not a you know I've never been a, a Weezer guy, I. I do see them as a, as a long-standing band, so I think it's going to be a tougher matchup than we think. I'm decidedly in the Earth, Wind, and Fire category because, uh, simply put, I, I'm I'm not a Weezer fan. I just there was something about that "woe is me" uh, kind of ethos and that you know that sort of you know the whole um, persona of the band being this sort of you know underdog, dopey guy that never gets it right kind of thing uh, it just irritated me um it was probably the age at which i encountered it whereas earth wind and fire was the soundtrack of my my elementary school years and uh Your i'm a big fan wearing days yeah pretty much um they were huge they were i can't I can't probably, you know, impart on you guys how big they were um, for probably a very limited stretch. But there was a time, you know, in the mid '70s when Earth, Wind, and Fire was arguably the biggest band in America. So, um, you know, that said, I, that 
I, that's not really what sways me. What sways me is the strength of Earth, Earth Wind, and Fire versus the willful uh, wimpiness of Weezer. <laughs> and um, to me, I mean, you can't, you can't, fu- you can't fuck with the elements. You got Earth, Wind, and Fire. That's three fifths of Caps and Planet right there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, um. and the and the other team is called Weezer. Who's gonna win? Who's gonna win an up tempo matchup here? <laughs> yeah, after, no. after well, that throwdown, I'm gonna I'm gonna I think I'm gonna step to the free throw line and do an underhanded free throw <laughs> and go Weezer. <laughs> It's funny, um, you know. I, I think that when we're when we're talking here, yeah, I, I've got to say, just in terms of how uh, how significant Weezer was during my youth, I've got to go with Weezer as well. Wow, that's not a, not that, one underhanded free throw, too. That is okay. Well, that was sad. Is it is a cold day in hell? Next up is, uh, oh, this is a good one, actually. This is kind of a blockbuster of the 80s versus blockbuster of the 90s, 2000s. R.E.M. versus Green Day. Um, Jerry, you you are a R.E.M. aficionado and a Green Day aficionado. So um, what's your take on this matchup? Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> this is one, uh, you know, we can just state that, that Christian hates R.E.M. As, as much as, you know, I hate later day R.E.M., but I am a... As much as I hate Weezer? Yeah, as much as, <laughs> much as when just hated Weezer. But I'm, you know, I'm just a huge fan of, of the early R.E.M. So, you know, Murmur, Reckoning, uh, Fables of Reconstruction, um, Life Search Badge, and I, I think are hugely important to, to almost all the music I like. It's it's very... I don't know, they, they created college rock to me. It was... Um, it was something that you know you came out of the punk and post punk scene, and then whoa, and then you had you needed you know the jangle, and uh, you know they brought kind of a a big star slash sort of country slash kind of just new sound birds. to yeah birds to to kind of rock and roll, and and have influenced a lot of the indie rock bands that that we love today. And then I'll flip over um, out of time and, and and skip over to Automatic for the People, which I actually do think was their last great album. Their second half game is is pitiful and, and really, you know, I can agree with anyone who doesn't like them or anybody that was actually introduced to them later because it's really bad. And so, I, you know, I agree. Green Day, on the other hand, um, it's just a sound I don't love. It, it doesn't bring – so, I mean, if we're talking greatest American band and we're talking about um, the fact that these bands had to make an impact – on American music and an impact on American rock. Green Day did one thing fine, but I mean, they could be replaced to me with anybody. It's Broadway? A, a, it's a, it's a <laughs> bubblegum sound. It's a, that California sort of sun-soaked pop punk. But, uh, you know, the sound didn't bring anything new to the table. That's right. So uh, you're... So basically, it's you know, did REM build a big enough halftime lead to have most of their starting lineup? Yeah, foul to completely out? like sit down for the rest of the game and see what happened. You know, I think. So, yeah, I mean, I think for for me, it's I, well, we know where I we know where I stand on REM. Um, I'm surprised they were even let into the arena. Um, but, uh, but I think, you know, Green Day is, uh, yeah, one of my, I think the first tape I ever had was, was actually a Kerplunk tape. Um, you know, so it sort of has like a, a speed, maybe PG-13 rating, um, on sort of the entire musical catalog, um, that I think is sort of a useful entry point for anybody who ends up wanting to learn about punk. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a 
I think it's where a lot of people start, and they're huge. You really can't, un- you know, you you, you can't. Um, uh, you can't really underestimate the the size of that band, and they've been you know they've been around for such a long time at this point. Granted, they still sort of goofily dress and behave like they're fifteen years old, and, and haven't necessarily, in my view, evolved musically beyond a certain um, like uh, uh, a sort of stunted point in their careers. But like, man, during that heyday, Kerplunk and Dookie in particular, you know, they were a they were a really powerful band. So um, you know, I, I think that uh, they're they're probably going to get the edge at the end of this one um what do you guys think though well i i you know i'm a massive early rem fan i'm actually i really like green day a lot this is a i think um you know with very few exceptions i think this is the first um matchup of bands that have both you know are both capable of pulling a stadium tour um and have so it's interesting. I mean, it's hard to remember a time when REM was was great. Um, it was not hard to remember when they were relevant uh, necessarily, but you still hear. You know, I hear old REM and I and I love it, and I feel like they changed the direction of music more than Green Day probably did. I was a huge Buzzcocks fan growing up, and I felt like uh, Green Day really sounds like the stepchild of of the buzzcocks it was such a uh one for one kind of comparison to me it the if you listen to singles going steady or even different kind of tension by the buzzcocks it's it's the blueprint for every green day record and so i don't feel like they're as inventive as rem that said rem you know i mean it very much you know, uh emerged from the you know the birds and and uh the zombies and people like that. So um, that's a long way around saying uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to literally follow my own uh, analogy here uh, and say that REM drove up the score uh, by a half and then all fouled out and uh, won. Uh, I'm going to vote REM. All right. Well, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with Green Day here. Yeah. And I think we know where I stand. So REM moves on. <clears throat> all right. Next matchup is a, is another uh, very interesting um, genre matchup, actually, because uh, they're they're sometimes uh, equated these days. Uh, the Grateful Dead versus Wilco. This is really going to piss off people who like jam bands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Jerry, you want to take this? Yeah, uh, sure. Being, I mean, I think you've got being our resident Deadhead expert and residents <laughs> here. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I do know the Grateful Dead more than I'd like to admit, and. Uh, I certainly am a a Team Wilco fan. So, you know, I mean, the Grateful Dead are one of those classic squads that, like, all the individual players are, are, you know, fine-tuned and certainly can can go out solo and and kind of, you know, score on their own. But together, (laughs) it lends to a kind of... uh, Meandering that I'm not sure is uh, is for everybody. So um, you know, look, you know, and all joking aside, the Grateful Dead are you know a classic American rock band. I mean, they they really did you know kind of build a, a cult following. They were file sharing before anyone knew what file sharing was. You know, with, before there with, were files, exactly with dead tapes and everything else. And, and you know, and what a career. I mean, you can't you can't put aside you know just one amazing career. My issues with the Dead are you know. One is, is, you know, I don't really love jamming out. <laughs> and two, they didn't really put out any good studio albums. So the Dead are a band that everyone talks about, like you had to see them live, man. Or, you know, you have to hear Dick's Picks Volume 10 or, or whatever. But, um, you know, they're a band that just, like, couldn't quite get it together in the studio. Wilco, on the other hand, kind of came from the ashes of, of you know, Uncle Tupelo band we all love um, and just sort of... Uh, another like truly American band. I mean, you know, I think they're a band that that sounds and 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 kind of 
uh, is an, an American classic um, and builds on each album, and each album kind of got better, in my opinion. Um, funny enough, the two do collide in the sense that a lot of Deadhead and Jam Bands fans have, have gotten into the, at least the most recent incarnation of Wilco, where they tend to play really good live shows, they allow taping, they release a lot of their concerts. So, um, you know, look, it's a, it's a battle of tie-dye. What do you guys think? You know, it's funny. For me, I, I think we've talked about this. I like Wilco. I want to like Wilco. Um, I, I, I think I fit into a category of people whose other musical tastes are consistent with somebody who would really, really, really like Wilco. Um, I like Uncle Tupelo better, if we're going to be honest. Um, but, uh, but they did not receive an invitation of maybe playing down the road at the NIT. Um, but uh, I think, you know, The Grateful Dead, it, it's, it's tough. Um, they have a massive unbelievably dedicated following. I mean, the intensity of that fan base alone, um, I mean, they're, they're probably the, the loudest, um, you know, and, and uh, they've got the longest hair um, of, of many of, uh, I think, of any of the bands in the tournament, um, and certainly the most distracting T-shirts uh, when, when Wilco step up to the foul line. Um, so, you know, I think, like, at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be difficult to discount them just because of the, I mean, the size, the following, the, the length of time. And, you know, then when you drill down into it, the fact that, you know, I happen to think, I, I will borrow Wyndham's line here, but that, that, you know, it sounds like a bunch of old guys tuning instruments. Um, it's sort of, uh, <laughs> it, it's sort of, it's bigger than that. Um, it's, you know, it's a band that really built a... a community and a lifestyle in a way which you know are not words that I necessarily like and want to use in this context but um but I mean they they did and and that's uh that's something you know that you've really you've got to recognize and and mention you know I think that that's a big uh, big plus in their column here so yeah, I think they lead the Northeast in iconography. I mean, certainly there are more <laughs> steal your faces on the back of Volvos um, per axle in New England than there are uh, any other band. But uh, I'm a big Wilco fan. I really like the, you know, and, and it, it, I appreciate the fact that it was such meager beginnings because, you know, after AM came out, I really didn't care. Uh, to hear their next album, it took some talking into. It was almost like when Pablo Honey came out, and I really didn't like it. And the Benz required some talking me into. But when I heard being there, the funny thing is, is that I really like being there. But I also there were tinges of it that sounded like The Grateful Dead to me. Um, songs like "Someday Soon" and "Don't Forget the Flowers." I mean, they're they're very you know rooted in, in bluegrass and and um, so you know it had, they have the same distant cousins. But um, I'm just, I, it's like spinach as an adult, you know what I mean? I, I, every once in a while I go back to it thinking like, maybe I'm wrong. And uh, then I listen to The Grateful Dead and I'm like, nope, well, they are. Um, so anyway, I'm going to take a vote and uh, my vote's for Wilco. I, you know, I think purely because of the, uh, purely because of their legacy, I, I think, you know, Grateful Dead, uh, Grateful Dead deserves a vote here. Yeah, and I've actually gone back and forth on this one, and, and, and mainly because of, you know, Christian's point is, is dead on, you know, no pun intended. The dead are, are very important to uh, American music in the scene. But uh, like Wyndham, I, I go back, and, and I have, you know, we talked on a, a recent pod that I happened to see Wilco in their early days when it was, it was a little bit of more of a kind of replacement-esque, you know, live show and, and a really just fun band. And I've kind of been with them from the start, and... Uh, I can't say I ever listened to American Beauty, so we're going Wilco. Thank Wilco God. Moves on. <laughs> no, the right choice was made. Don't. I just. I felt somebody needed to do it. <laughs> no, I understand. Covers beautiful and stone. 
Up next is uh, this is an interesting matchup: Sublime versus the Flaming Lips. Uh, is that Southern California versus OKC? So, Christian, I think you can kick this one off. That's You're right. I think this fan. is the. I am. Um, I think this is the battle between uh, between one band, the Flaming Lips, who I believe stole all of their instruments from a uh, from a church fair um, when they when they got started, versus a band that was presumably. Uh, pawning off most of their instruments so that they could buy smack, um, but uh, but I think um, you know the the thing. This is this is a, a really interesting matchup, and the thing that comes across is like there's a certain degree of levity that both of these uh, both of these groups have, um, and you know I think there's some there's some damn funny stories told in, in Sublime albums, um, and uh, and you know similarly I think with the Flaming Lips there's a certain um, almost surreal, cartoonish, um, but but very much you know playful uh, quality to, uh, to to the stories that they tell as well. So I think you know um, I, musically uh, they they couldn't be. Um, Frankly, you know, I, I think that they really couldn't be further apart. You've got one with their roots in, in punk and and um, you know ska and reggae, and the other uh, who while, you know, definitely harken back to sort of 60s English rock, also have, um, you know, also have uh, a, a real appreciation of sort of bigger pop orchestration. Um, so that's that's actually going to be the most difficult sort of uh, axis, I think, on which to compare these guys. But what do you think, Jeremy? I think the cool thing about both these bands is they did it their way. You know, I think that... Uh, Sublime, you know, and kind of let's call it what it was a one one album wonder, two um, two albums, two right, two yeah. So, but one that's kind of hit the mainstream. But I mean, they they were very original in, in the sense that you know there was nothing that really blended. I mean, they original not in their their like so punk, uh, reggae, hip hop, but they nobody did it like they did. I mean, they took all of those um, genres and mixed them together. In, in a way that sounded wonderful and, and great it sounded, and fresh. It sounded organic. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. And um, on the flip side, the same with the Flaming Lips. I mean, the Flaming Lips were a band that, um, you know, from the get-go, and when, I mean, you, you probably, uh, you know, saw them back in the 80s and then kind of had a reincarnation in the 90s, um, had a hit song in the 90s, and then, you know, reinvented themselves into this sort of orchestrated pop and then have gone back to more experimental um, experimentation, you know, in the last few albums is a band that really has never, ever, um, you know, kind of bent to record industry or, or to mainstream um, taste. And, uh, and it's a band, you know, by the way, that's been on Warner Brothers for most of its albums and has kind of uh, managed to do their own thing. So, um, you know, I, I think they both have that in common, definitely different sounds. And, uh, you know, I think the Flaming Lips are a team, though, that that has a, a deep, deep bench. You know, they have a lot of different sounds and, and definitely, um, you know, can play for a, a full four quarters where Sublime is fast and furious, but but uh, had an early flame out, unfortunately. Yeah, it, is, it was terribly sad because I really think that there was something there was something pretty tremendous there that um, you know never really got fully developed. Um, that said, you're right about the Flaming Lips. I, I can't think of two bands I've seen on more bills in my life than Sonic Youth and the Flaming Lips. Um, it seemed like every band I went to see in the '80s and '90s, the Flaming Lips were opening, and, and I mean sometimes I would make it to see them, sometimes I wouldn't. It wasn't uh, they weren't as well organized. There were a lot of different bands. Um, they themselves were a lot of different bands over the course of time. I mean, there's, uh, you know, Wayne Coyne's always been at the center, but it has, you know, they've they've really morphed uh, into, it's a multiple personality act. They had, um, you know, they, they had a completely different sound in the 80s to 90s, 90s to 2000s. I mean, when they get to the soft bulletin, that really coalesces, and that, to me, is a, an absolute masterpiece. I love that album. Um, Yoshimi is a great album. You know, they really hit their stride. And I've always had a, and not just because I'm old now, but I've always had a soft spot for bands that sort of hit, you know, when you think they should be packing it in. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the Wrens on this podcast, um, bands that, like, you know, put out some really great work as they get older. And Wing Coin, um, you know, Bob Pollard, um, you know, there's not a ton of, of bands you can think of where, you know, the guys are in their mid to late 30s um, when they start getting major attention and they continue to do it. Uh, so, 
anyway, I think, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think in my case, Sublime's going to be dinged for uh, just not having the, uh, the breadth of work that uh, um, the Flaming Lips had. Uh, it's actually closer than you'd think, though, because I think that, that Sublime, that moment for Sublime was really interesting, and they put out great pop songs. Christian? You know, I'm I'm gonna go with the Sublime here uh, over over the Flaming Lips. I mean, I think they, you know, they've they've got a, a again a, a really sort of strong legacy that continues. I mean, the fact that people are still discovering these albums and and still making them the sort of anthemic soundtracks to their high school years, um, as as I did, um, is uh, is is a you know is a testament to to the significance of their music and. Um, the Flaming Lips, it just, it's those last couple albums that I think um, that really killed them in the fourth quarter. So I'm going Sublime. Yeah, and I'm going to go uh, Lips here, and, and mainly because I think people forget just how good the 90s output was. I'm a huge fan of Cloud's Taste Metallic and Transmissions from the Satellite Heart. Obviously, the South Bulletin, when mentioned before, is one of my favorite albums, but I think... Um, you know, there's a whole generation of folks, and this was actually mentioned on a recent Sound Opinions uh, podcast, that, you know, you, you kind of forget just those those mid, mid-90s mid albums, or early 90s, actually, albums from the, the Lips and before. So um, just too much output from the Lips, but I do love Sublime as well. I think that might be, uh, that might be the surprise, uh, surprise game of the tournament so far. That was a, that was a real crowd pleaser. Yeah, that was good. They were neck and no one, neck right to the end. No one wanted to see go home. It was sort of like when you get two two teams with nobody over six five in the first round of the NCAA <laughs> tournament. Exactly. And like you're just like I can't oh man, I wish these guys could play forever. Next, actually, well, don't don't uh, congratulate ourselves too quickly on having a great matchup. The next one's pretty tough. Oh man, uh, the, the Strokes versus Spoon. Wow, yeah, this this is a uh, powerhouse matchup here. Yeah, Jerry, you take you can uh, take lead on this one. Yeah, I mean, well, look, you know, two bands I adore. Um, you know, obviously, is this it? You know, kind of brought back. Um, sort of the the new york rock and roll scene i I feel like they were the the pioneers and i I remember buying the single of modern age by the strokes and just you know playing it over and over and over again it's so good and at the same time kind of spoon snuck in a band that i'd I'd kind of known about and um and i was handed a tape of girls can tell before it was released and and completely you know blew my mind as well and have gone on to consistently put out good albums so i mean this is a a band you know two bands that i I think you know kind of um i guess re-pioneered indie rock as we know it today and and into sort of uh tent tent poles in, in a sense but the the thing that I'm gonna I'm gonna say is you know the you know not to to go professional basketball versus college Spoon kind of reminds me of the Spurs right you know they're that consistent band that continually puts out good albums where the Strokes really came out strong and uh, and then put out you know a, a decent really good second quarter and and then sort of fade so um, love to hear what you guys think on the on this these is, two this is total this is a brutal matchup I think you know I, I think the the Strokes here. Look, they were. Is this it? Was was sort of an album that that launched. Uh, yeah, I mean a total, um, uh, a total revival in in the New York rock scene, right? I mean it was just it was tambourines and leather jackets and boots for for the next five, six, seven years, and and um, some some really awesome uh, awesome acts to follow. So in terms of their significance, I mean it's it's how can you? I mean 
wow, it, it, it led to some of the best music that I can, uh, and some of my favorite music from, from, you know, um, from my high school years and college years. And, and, you know, it, it continues to this day. They just, they just weren't making it themselves after that album. Um, and, uh, you know, I think with Spoon, it's like, I, I'm struck by a band that maybe has been in isolation a little bit down in Austin. I guess they're from Austin or Denton. Uh, they're from Austin. Austin, Austin, Austin proper. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but I mean, they. Uh, you know, the, it's it's. I I think um, for all the cross pollination and as cosmopolitan the city as that is, um, and you know, of course, an incredible, uh, uh, incredible, you know, stage um, for for music. Uh, you know that that may have ha- that may have been a limiting factor for a time um, in in some ways, but you know I feel that maybe Spoon hasn't had its mainstream moment yet, um, and I would love them to, um, and I think they 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 may yet. I mean they've really I, I think uh, we've talked about this at length in other contexts. They are one of the most consistent you know bands as far as just putting out really high quality music all the time. I mean it just I feel like it really never suffers. Um, so it, it is going to be a question as to whether, uh, yeah, whether the strokes, I mean, just, just blow out of the gate and, you know, throw up 65 points at halftime, um, whereas Spoon's just going to play that sort of plotting, uh, evenly paced offense and, and, you know, see if they can, they can catch up toward the end of the game. Yeah, it's a, this to me was a, like a tortoise in the hare kind of thing. I mean, it truly is, you know, the band that... that you know, sort of, I've used this term probably too many times, but they were a bit of a supernova. They they blew in, they they changed everything, and then, um, you know, it, when you, but when you sat back and said, oh, what are they going to, what will they do next? What they did next was the same thing over and over again, less well, which is not to say that, you know, I hold that against them. It's a hell of a high watermark to throw uh, Is This It out as your first record. I, I certainly saw them a lot uh, just prior to, and, and when that album came out, it was fantastic. Spoon, on the other hand, Jer's got the, yeah, it's the Spurs. It's the team that, I hate to say it because I am a Patriots fan, but the team where you, they play a shitty game and you go, how are they, how the, how the hell did they just beat us? You know, it, um, not that Spoon plays a shitty game, but they, uh, you know, I, I think if you put out, what has it been, like seven albums in a row that are almost... Even Transference, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like all of them are just yeah, like I mean, the, highly the listenable, sort of really quality is albums. really good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the point, like watching yeah. a, This is a great passing team, you know? Yeah. Um, it's the 1950s... It's the 1950s Princeton offense of, uh, of like... I'm making an analogous to, you know, two of my favorite teams, but, you know, it's the Patriots in the sense that you can't you can't figure out how the hell they these guys just beat you, and it's UVA in the sense that they slow down the pace. They probably hold you... Uh, under your, uh, you know, about half your scoring average per game. And at the same time, you're going like, God, I hate watching that. You know, um, both of those sounded like negative uh, things. Yeah, negative no, but things. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I guess all it is is, you know, damn you consistency. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to put my vote in first because I'm more curious where you guys are going. Uh, sp- I'm going to go spoon. All right, Jeremy, you can go, you can go next. I'm, I'm going spoon. Okay. (laughs) You know what? I'm actually going Spoon, too. So it's a threefer. Well, it's a hard... I mean, it's going into this tournament, I would not have guessed the strokes. I also... I look at... I look at the rest of the tourney and Spoon's the the to me that's going to uh, move further on than the strokes. I agree. I agree. We get high in backseat circles. We break into
Okay, well, we're going to do one more, and that's going to wrap it up for uh, the first... The first uh, night uh, of basketball. First night of first night of, of competition here. Um, last one is uh, uh, for all the ones that have been tough decisions going into this. This I will not say is an easy decision, but I will say this is one of the funniest matchups I've seen on paper all day. <laughs> and that's this is a journey versus the Pixies, <laughs> which would be the greatest lineup ever to see one open for the other. Absolutely. So Wyndham, do you well, want to you want to talk yeah. a little bit about these uh, these two? Yeah, I mean, I you know I, I'm so, I am a lifelong or not a lifelong I I have been a fan of the Pixies as long as they've had a life. Um, again, I, I've said this before. I um, you know had the just unusual benefit of of having gone to college where they went to college and and also just you know being of a certain age in a certain place and, and wound up getting, um, the purple tape, uh, back in the day and which became, uh, come on pilgrim, which was phenomenal, which became surfer Rosa, which became even more phenomenal, uh, and became Doolittle, uh, which a lot of people would say is their pinnacle. Um, I, you know, I will say that following Doolittle, um, you know, they had a, they did, you know, sort of, Peak, and then you know they uh, put out a, f- a couple lesser albums in Bossa Nova and Tromplemon, and then um, you know sort of uh, you know they've reunited. They're uh, fun to see live, but it was you know it was a it was a quick hit kind of thing. I would never have guessed back when I first heard um, those early recordings that I was listening to a band that would matter thirty some odd years later. Um, I. It would. It's a you know the the fact that they are hugely important and influential. I would never have guessed they were just the band that I owned because yeah I heard them first and that was a real you know that's as we've discussed many times on the show that's a huge thing for a, when you're young and um, so uh, on the flip side Journey I'm I'm not a hater I'm uh, when the lights go down in the cité is uh, <laughs> a great song. Um, and uh, Don't Stop Believing has, you know, sort of been reviled and then, you know, uh, resuscitated by popular culture more times than, you know, I mean, it's been pronounced, Journey's been pronounced dead more times than, um, you know, any other band probably going. And yet still you, you throw that on high volume in a room full of drunk people and you've got yourself a concert. So, um, Jared, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, first off, I'll say these are, two of the most um, sort of uh, unfashionable, <laughs> unimpressive-looking teams I've ever seen when you finally do see a picture of them. I remember hearing the Pixies and just being blown away and then seeing the Pixies and being, uh, I'm going to say, disappointed. Um, Those guys? And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, Journey the same way. I've, I've happened upon some uh, music videos, and it wasn't even like bad '70s rock outfits. It's like what is? The, it's like the guy went to a thrift store in Florida and bought like a, you know, a woman's leopard print T-shirt and, <laughs> and decided to wear it. But not in not in like the Steven Tyler. I no, own not this in way. like it I can like... pull this off. More in like I just look awful. But um, but look, I mean, you know, the the Pixies are, I don't know, like just you know. A, some a band that kind of really changed my taste in music and a band that uh, I, too, was kind of introduced right when they came out. I mean, you know, via the fact that I, I happened to ha- live in, the, my room was across from Wyndham's in the house we lived in. And, uh, you know, he played, you know, the Purple Tape or Come On Pilgrim in, in our mom's minivan. And so, um, you know, I heard that stuff. I, I really loved it. it. It blew me away. Journey's a band that I hated for years. And uh, kind of came came to my senses as I got older and, and realized that, like, I don't need to only listen to, quote-unquote, you know, sort of cool underground music. Like, good music is good music, and, and Journey's damn good. Um, and they're also hugely important. But, I mean, you know, it, it's funny. Pixies are one of those rare bands that I think does hold their own in the, in the realm of... Uh, of American rock lore. So, Christian, how about you? By the way, actually, I just did quickly interrupt. How bad would the basketball game be between the Pixies and Journey? That would be awful. Well, <laughs> basketball is huge in the Philippines, so I actually think that the current lead singer of Journey, who uh, who is himself from Manila, um, might actually be one of the uh, best players on the court. 
Well, you, you've He'd got definitely a guitarist the in the fit. Pixies. <laughs> you got a guitarist in the Pixies who's also Filipino, so there may be some there are some throwdown there. Oh yeah, that's a great point. I actually, uh, wow, that's an interesting that's an interesting angle on this matchup. Um, one that I one that I had not thought of until just this very second. Um, but I, you know, it's interesting, Jeremy. You said that Journey is obviously uh, uh, huge and had a massive impact. Aside from the fact that everybody plays it in a room full of drunk people and it becomes a concert immediately, like I, I don't, I'm, I'm curious what the what the influence is, like what the what the lineage is. I mean, if you if you know what bands cite Journey um, as one of their major influences, um, and and you know I think to to the you know the the Pixies' great strength, obviously, aside from the the high quality and and you know their canon of music is. Um, is the fact that they were they were so influential um, in terms of uh, shaping the way punk and, and indie rock uh, you know evolved in the in the nineties and, and two thousands to the present. So, um, Journey. Then again, uh, those guys just sold a shit ton of albums, right? I mean, talk about like stadium rock. Um, they could do it, uh, and and they did it regularly for many 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 years. So there's almost a like a. a uh, lowest common denominator greatness um, and sort of scale and, and bravado that comes with, with that. Well, band, I'll take so. it back to you uh, on that point. Is that, you know you know who they inspired? Everybody. Smashing Pumpkins. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anybody who noodled in a studio. No, but I mean that was that was a big guitar band. I mean yeah. they they yeah no that's true you know, that's that a great guitar point. hero music. That's exactly right. Um, which is quite literally how the people of my generation know it. Um, so. Uh, I, I think uh, the video game guitar here, that is, um, if, if you were wondering what, what the reference was there. So, no, I, I think this is a tough one. I mean, it's, it's just the, the sheer scale and number of ears that the journey has reached um, worldwide. Like, they, you know, you've got to put them in the running. I mean, they're huge. Um, so I, I think we should, that, I think we should that, go to a vote. That said, I think I'm just going to call this one. Yeah, well. I think it's a big, <laughs> Pixie's. It's time to stop believing. All around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just stop believing. Yeah, all exactly. Right. That's the end of the first uh, first day of the basketball competition. So we will be back tomorrow uh, with a second marathon day night uh, sixteen matchup day for you. So anyway, sleep well and uh, look forward to listening to us again. Thanks so much. That's it for this episode of Brother 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 Podcast. Many thanks to Simon Doom for our intro music, Hair of the God, and to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall. You can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Tweet our mistakes and your recommendations and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Until next time, on behalf of Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you for listening.